faces. Let me step away so you can see the family as well. Um, I want to say first and foremost, thank you to you all. Because every time, move this down, I guess. Every time you give to missions and you pray for missionaries just like us, you have an impact of what God is doing across the ocean in Southeast Asia, in a country called Indonesia. And we're also thankful because we have such a great, you could say, uh, history with this church. When I first moved to Rhode Island back in 2002, it was I was a young student or a Bible college student going to a Bible school that was in Barrington. Uh, how many of you ever heard of Zion Bible College when it was in Barrington? Okay, so most of you, okay, good, that's no. Now they're in Massachusetts, but... I was here. I remember coming here for extra services. I remember coming here for concerts like Nicole C. Mullen. And I just remember uh, being part of this church and school. Our kids uh, were a part of this school as well. By the way, I'll do a free promo. Let me tell you, if you really want to make sure your kids get a strong foundation, not just uh, in academics, but really about the character and the nature of who God is, you should check out this school. It's probably not too late, but see Mr. Hale for that, all right? Amen. I'm going to let my wife share a little bit more as well. Good morning. It's so awesome to be here with everybody today. Uh, we are the Fuentes family, as you've heard. So our kids are Samuel. He is nine, our one and only boy. Then our oldest is Eliana, followed by Julia and Alexia. It's so cool to be here because, like Jason said, our kids used to attend school here, so for them it's an adventure to be back and see some familiar faces. Some of you may remember us. We were here about four years ago the last time around. And uh, we come back to America for what we call our year of furlough, meaning that we travel to different churches who are supporting us and who may potentially want to support us, and we share all about what God has been doing in Indonesia. But we will go back Uh, around August of next year. We've only been here about two months, but thank God we're all getting settled in. It has been quite the transition, as you can imagine. I just want to draw your attention to our table out in the foyer where you can pick up our prayer card and a small Indonesian coffee candy. So first hand up gets the first one. Any takers right here in the front? It's legit coffee candy made in Indonesia. It's not here in the States, all right? So come on down. The price is right. There we go. Or he's going on down. All right. I know, right? Uh, I watched too much TV as a kid. It gets back in the 80s. Anyway, uh, if we can, can we put that PowerPoint on? We want to uh, talk to you a little bit more about what we've been doing or what God's been up to, uh, you know, on our journey. Yeah. So we left in 2015. Samuel was only a year old and now he's nine. So we've been there uh, nine years now. You can go on to our next. And as you can see, and I think the video mentioned that Indonesia is the fourth largest nation um, in the world, and it is uh, very largely populated. It is the fourth fourth most populated, but as far as the Muslim community is concerned, it's actually the most Muslim populated. So if you were to take the nations in the Arab world and even combine all of those together, Indonesia still exceeds in number of um, the Muslim population there. Um, Indonesia is known as the Ring of Fire because it is surrounded by active volcanoes. That's lots of fun. We do feel tremors. We do feel some shakes. Quick question. Anyone ever had a, we had one on our island go off. Anyone ever experienced a volcano erupting? 
It's no fun. Anyway, continue. <laughs> and so you can go on to the next slide. So with this slide, what I just want to point out when it comes to Indonesia, there's many statistics. This right here is off a of Joshua Project, which is very good. But if you look at the most middle box, it says the population that is unreached is about 100, just over 196 million. If you heard in our video, over 50%, they don't even know who Jesus is. Maybe they heard, oh, Jesus, that, that's how you say Jesus in Indonesian, but they know nothing about him. So we know that there are many people, we don't even want to say unreached. They're not even engaged. Like, and so God has put in our hearts where we go into these areas. And because of that, next slide, one of the things that we're able to do is establish these churches um, throughout uh, places of Indonesia, different islands. We have three churches that we were able to establish in the village and two in the city. So you oversee five. This is a picture of a baptism uh, Sunday we had. And if you can notice in that picture, the far left photo, there's a lady wearing all white and a guy wearing all white. Believe it or not, those were the Hindu priests who came down because one of the people decided to give her life to Jesus and they want to be a part of that ceremony. And guess what? They heard the gospel message as we're doing the water baptisms. Amen. God is good. Next slide. And uh, I, I guess my title kind of went missing up. That's weird. It's white out. But what, what I want to share with you is that part of the kingdom of God that he wants to establish all throughout the earth is he wants to make sure that everyone is involved. You know, we are not called to fill the seats. We are called to be in the streets. Can I get an amen, right? And so we make sure that these are our values, that these are some of the things we teach. And so we say, hey, we want to make sure that everyone is discipled and also you are discipling. But also, if you look on the far right, the numbers, look at number five, suffering for Christ. How many times do you hear that message or teaching taught within your context? But I'll tell you one thing. In Indonesia, most of the time when you become a Christian, you are going to suffer because you'll lose your family, your finances, could. You, you'll, you'll probably lose your spirits of influence, your community, your protection. And so we teach them, listen. Even though in this life it may be painful or hard, but I want to let you know that God is more than enough and he's going to help you through that suffering. Can I get an amen? Next slide. I think this is NG. Yeah, so we have um, hosted crusades, and it is our intention to continue to do that. You'll see these two pictures just reflect our worship times. Um, the house church is having its worship time there. You can move on. Thank you. And baptisms, as Jason mentioned. The lady in the water is Ibuge, who uh, was from a Hindu um, community. And those were the priests who came to witness her baptism and release her from their community now into ours. Okay, next. Oh, wait, go back. I want to stay. Talk about suffering. She's 55. When she told her village, like, hey... Jesus is real. 
and I'm going to be a Christian now. They were like, okay. They were like, if you decide to get water baptized, you now lose all claim to the family inheritance. You don't understand what that means. There's no IRAs. There's no 401ks. There's no Social Security. There's no government help. She just said, you know what? Jesus is more than enough. And she gave up her right of family. She came from a high caste Hindu system. Her right to property, to land, to buildings, to incomes. Talking about sometimes losing everything. Amen. Go ahead. And um, so what that would say in the title is outreach. The children with me are our English group. And uh, we have so much fun. We can teach the Bible uh, because we use English as a means to do that. There have been times when we've been asked to stop um, our time in a certain community. But we've also been uh, able to get into a couple of schools, which is really awesome. And we'll continue to expand that when we return. And then on the other side, you see the food. Well, that's what we consider care packages where we provide uh, just the essentials eggs, uh, oil, and rice. So especially during COVID, um, that was a really neat uh, tool to get into communities because people had lack and need. And so, um, you know, we could strike up conversation that way and share about Christ by also bringing them some food. Uh, We also minister in the prison, which we absolutely love. We just don't have a picture of that, but I love that uh, we can do prison prison. ministry. (laughs) And And so, you know, part of the call that God wants us to do is, listen, we are all called to be the light in the spheres of your influence. Let me tell you, he's not calling you to, not calling everyone to pack their bags, move halfway across the world, take the family to go to a country like Indonesia. But if you live right here, this is your place of influence, your place of ministry. And so one of the ways we do evangelism, which we love is, you saw in the video, we do these open air outdoor evangelist crusades. That's a picture of me shaking hands with some of the village elders uh, in an island called Papua. And so Papua is still very tribal. It's part of Indonesia. Uh, you know, and so the ladies kind of are on one side. The men are on the other side. But God is doing amazing things. And we have see people who come from a more, we say, animate animism, which means they worship more of like the natures and animals and, you know, all this stuff. And we bring the gospel and see God do amazing things where people respond. I remember at this, listen, I'm not boasting in myself. What I learned a long time ago is God is just looking for men and women, no matter what age you are, doesn't matter if you're 65 or 15, he's looking for people saying, Lord, here I am. Uh, I'm always in preaching mode. Sorry. Here we go. So when I went to Bible college, I remember one of my professors, his name was uh, Brother Bali. And, and long story short, he was in the front row of one of our chapels we had. And we had this, I don't know if he's an evangelist. I don't remember. But he came through from another country and pointed to this professor. He was like 62, 63 at this time, right? At that age, most people are thinking, all right, what's retirement going to look like? The man points him out and says, you're not supposed to be here, and you know that. And this man began to cry because he realized God called him to the island of Vanuatu. And at the age of 62, 63, he left what he known as being a professor, 
He impacted my life and decided I'm going to make an impact and live overseas in Vanuatu. So God is calling all of us to be a part. You're never too young or never too late. Amen. But what I want to boast about is, you know, at these evangelistic crusades, God will glorify Jesus through the working of signs, wonders, and miracles. And I remember that one in Papua what we did. Um, I would say it was the first time I ever experienced this in my life, right? I seen God use us in the different gifts, like the gift of healing. But this was the first time everyone we pray for got healed by Jesus except for one. And let me say, that village was transformed because of God glorifying son through the workings of miracles. Amen. And then also, uh, you see like that little picture to the right. Uh, we do medical clinics. So when we establish, let's say, one of these churches in these areas, if it's a village or city, we want to make sure we're doing outreach. So we do free medical uh, checkups or clinics where we have these Indonesian doctors. And it's great. And we see God do amazing things. Next slide. And this is just a recap of what God is doing from the kids to the baptism to the, the outdoor crusades. And lastly, we want to say thank you, Faith Christian Center. You guys are a part of what God is doing in Southeast Asia. All right. God bless. You want to pray? Okay. Take a mic with you. All right. Awesome. Oh, wow. Ha ha. Time. (laughs) Let's just say when I come... I don't like just to share stories and per se preach. I love preaching, but I love the word ministering. What's the difference? Ministering is saying, hey, I want to bring a message that's going to really pierce who we are, our minds, our soul. Our soul is like our makeup, our heart, our character, you know, our spirit so that we cannot just be inspired for one weekend, but where God wants us to really understand that we can be transformed in all that we do. And what happens is, after some time of walking this life in Christ, we forget that God is always with us, that God is never far away, And that it's more than just his presence, but everything of almighty God has completely forgave us, transformed us, delivered us, healed us. And we forget those things sometime. Let me tell you, God is not just something that we do because we were raised in that way, but God is active, alive, breathing. He is always at work. Amen. Amen. And what happens is that sometimes we get distracted because we are so caught up in what we just see in front of us, what we are experiencing, but not realizing there is so much more to this life than what we see, taste, hear, experience. Now, I can look at this room. I was talking to one of my good friends, uh, Ola. Uh, it's been a while. It was great catching up with him. We used to work 
in finances, uh, let's just say many moons ago. But uh, looking at the crowd, talking to Ola, I think we have some Nigerians in the house, right? Yeah. yeah? All right. Can you raise your hand? I want to see how many. That's what I'm talking about. Now, now you may not know it, but my great, 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 great grandfather was from Nigeria. Many, many moons ago, I'm, I'm a mixed mutt. I have European, Spaniard, mostly Puerto Rican, but I'm all over the place. But when you live in a different country, you begin to realize, that's right, Jason, come on. Yep, the spiritual realm is just as real as the physical of what we taste, see, and experience. But what I want to talk to you today, I feel like this message in some ways is going to be kind of pastoral. I want to talk to you about where we need to learn how not to allow the things we experience in life to keep us in that place where we think, God, where are you? Do you even pay attention? How come it seems like you're not here? And I want us to walk out of those seasons of pain, whether it's physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual anguish, whatever it is, where God says, I want you to get back to the place that I paid for. Do you know that, come on, do you know that when Jesus, right, came to this earth, it wasn't just to give us good Christian philosophies. I thank God, and we have some great teachers here who can break down the word and teach us those godly principles and bring us to who Christ is. But when God died on the cross, when Jesus says, I'm going to give you my life, he came to completely redeem you, forgive you, and not just forgiveness, but bring about deliverance. Do you know that deliverance is more than just, hey, you know, in my family, we deal a lot with you know, addiction issues. Deliverance is not just physical, but it's also very spiritual. And God came to redeem us all, and he wants us to live a life worthy. When people see you, they say, hey, I know who you used to be, but look at where you are now. Now, we're not called to be perfect. I'll tell you that right now, because when I first gave my life to Christ in 1999, Many, many years ago, right? I remember I had to walk this life out. I was growing. I was maturing. But I made a conscious decision, even though I made some really dumb, stupid mistakes, I did not allow that to let me go back to what I used to know, to what was familiar. I kept saying, God, forgive me. And in this contrite heart, I began saying, God, I'm not going to allow those decisions to stop me from walking towards you. I wasn't perfect. I remember as a young man calling up um, like one of my spiritual, we said, older brothers in the faith who mentored me. This is back in New Jersey. And I would call him, oh my goodness, I'm so, I messed up. And I'll be real with you. This is like me calling him up. He's like, Hey, oh my God, I didn't want to, but I did it. I, you know, I went back with my ex-girlfriend and, 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 we, and, and, we, and we had sex again. And I, I'm, you know, I'm just pouring my heart. And he's like, Jason, it's going to be okay. He said, you see, like I'm on the phone in tears. He's like, you have 
the right heart. Keep moving forward. And what happens is we can get stuck. And that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to think what you used to know was better, but it's not better. If you have, I promise, sorry, I always teach in our churches, you start with the Bible, you stay, stay in the Bible, you end with the Bible. Absolutely. That was just an intro, I'm sorry. Let's go to John chapter 5, all right? I'm not one as me up here, let me give you dreams and revelations and all that. Those are good, but we have the authentic word of God, which is still real and timeless. Let me tell you, this book is all that we need that will give us what we need to fill ourselves with the daily bread of life. And I'm reading from John chapter 5. We're going to be reading from verse 1 to verse 9. And then we're going to skip a few verses and then go from verse to verse 14 and 15. And it reads like this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Now, we're going to skip verse 4 because talk to Pastor Chris and John. They'll explain why it's kind of not there anymore. All right. Um, Verse 5 says, One who is there had been an invalid for 38 years. You see what I'm talking about? 38 years. When he saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Verse 7. Here we go. Sometimes this is what some of the Christians sound like. This, you know, this is our response. Well, God, you don't understand. So in verse 7 it says, Sir... The invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when I get into the water or when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. Sometimes that looks like a victim mentality. All right, verse 8. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk at once. The man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which it took place was the Sabbath. Amen. Meaning, what God's trying to point out, he can do a miracle at any time, any place, even despite of you. All right. Let's drop, let's drop down to verse 14. Later, Jesus found them at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Then the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Father, I thank you that your word and anointing is everywhere we are. I thank you that it does not change and it's, and it's here to transform us. God, I know you're going to use this moment to really bring about not just inspiration, but transformation. And I ask, Lord, you would do what you do best, the surgery that needs to be done on the hearts, minds, wills, and pride of people in this house today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, one thing I love about this story is that it shows you that sometimes people will go to places to try to get better, but know that there really isn't 
a finality of getting complete wholeness. What do we mean by that? Today, if you were just to take everything from a physical standpoint, and let's just say you are one that had a physical sickness where you needed dialysis because your kidneys are not operating properly, these individuals will have to go into those certain locations, a hospital or those clinics, where they can go through the transfusion on dialysis to help them. Even though they go to these places of trying to get better, they know at the end of the day, there is no hope or cure. And that goes across the spectrum. I have met people who have been seeing these like therapists or counselors. Once again, I'm not against counseling. I think it's very important. So hear me out. Don't read into my message. By the way, my wife is uh, wrapping up her degree, her master's in counseling. So we really believe in it. Amen. But sometimes people go to these places of counseling and they've been going through it for years. In my head, I'm like, okay, they keep going, thinking that there will never be a place of wholeness and healing and things of that nature. And the reason why people uh, lose hope, because if you've been physically sick or you have a broken and bitter heart for all these years, what happens is you begin to forget, God, are you really here? I hear about the stories that are written in the pages of the Bible. I hear about the stories and the testimonies, let's say, what's happening in Indonesia. But what about my backyard? What about where I live? And then maybe you start out believing and and praying, but after some time, I'll stand back here because of the sound, right? Then maybe after some time, you begin to say, God, are you even paying attention? Are you, do you even notice me? And for this man, 38 years is a long time. And the reason why we give up hope, because the Bible is very clear. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And after a while of when we don't see, we begin to question. And then when we have these long seasons of pain, now we begin to accommodate that pain. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Now you're saying, well, I don't think it's going to get better. So now let me change my lifestyle to accommodate this pain so I can make it easier on my mind or on my body. And now we have literally took what God wants to bring healing in and put a handicap on ourselves and on what God wants to do. Right Now, once again, listen, hear me out. I can't do a full therapeutic message in one Sunday, but I'm going to tell you something. I want to give you the word and tell you that God is here not just to medicate. Basically, God doesn't want you to medicate your pain. Maybe you medicate your pain through shopping. Maybe you medicate your pain through whatever, drugs or alcohol. Maybe you medicate your pain by eating a lot of ice cream. Whatever it is. God doesn't want to medicate, want you to medicate your pain, but he wants you to step into it because he wants to bring healing. So how do people try to avoid their pain? Oh, that's easy. Just deny it. (laughs) 
I'm sure the pastoral staff over here can. <laughs> you meet with people. I don't have a problem with that person. I'm fine. It's like, dude, chill out. What's all this aggression? I'm fine. I'm good. I forgave them. No, you didn't. What's all this, like, you know, anger, right? And so people would begin to deny and hide the thing. Like, I'm fine. I'm okay. Don't worry. I, I forgave them. We're good. I'm like, so then give them a call. Nope. <laughs> right? Why don't you reach out to them? Uh-uh. Right? And so people would try to avoid their pain and make adjustments. Let's just say you have, like, fear of flying. Right? Be like, hey, let's get on a plane to Florida. Not now. Maybe later. Soon enough. Right? When it's winter. Like, no, no, no. I don't have fear of flying. Well, let's get on a plane. No, no. I don't want to get on a plane. Well, see, what happens is they begin to adapt and change a life to not face those fears. How about if you had a broken heart? And when you have a broken heart from the past relationship, maybe it's your parents. Maybe it was your uh, friend or whatever it is, girlfriend or, you know, husband or wife. And they really broke your heart. And that was a tough season. Now what you do is every new future relationship, it's like you're there. I'm here. There's a wall, and you never allow anyone close. Now your relationships are shallow. How about if you're dealing with a physical sickness? Listen, I understand. I know what it's like to believe God, contend God. My wife and I, um, throughout the year, we take time to fast and pray and believe God for physical healing that we need in our family. Right? So I understand what you're going through. But more than our understanding, I know what the true, the truth is, what God said. And he said, listen, continue to pursue after me. And by second Peter, right? Or first Peter chapter two, verse 14, right? It says 14, 28. It says, by his stripes, we are healed, right? It says, Jesus hung on a tree for our righteousness, right? And by his stripes, we are healed, right? And so when you're sick, sometimes you have this, let's say, degenerative nerve disease which is hard because it's painful what you do is you say you know what i'm not going to go i'm just going to stay at home and make the couch my life and little by little you start to make that thing accommodate that pain with everything you do but i'm going to tell you this today i want to declare do not avoid that pain or accommodate it but you need to confront it in jesus name so here comes the passport part, and I promise I'm going to share some stories along the way, right? I want to give you four statements or four truths about pain, right? Number one, pain is not the problem. It's just a symptom. Now, okay, if your arm is broken, yes, that's the problem. We get it, right? But sometimes pain is not the problem, just a symptom. Number two, pain will lead you to the source of your problem. Now, if you allow it to. I remember I was preaching close by in a church in Rhode Island, and uh, during that service, at the very end, I gave an altar call. And I never forget, because this beautiful uh, Portuguese grandmother came forward for prayer. She was probably like around 70 years old. And then her two adult daughters came to accompany her part of prayer. And she said, Pastor Jason... Can you pray for me? And I said, sure. How can I pray? And she's like, hey, um, I have, I'm sick. I have these sicknesses. So she went down this list of like sicknesses and diseases. I mean, I, I kid you not. I had to tell her to stop. I'm like, okay, I got it. 
She's like, I got this and that and this and that. I'm like, okay, stop. Because I knew that if I didn't stop her, it was going to affect my faith to believe for her healing, right? And so I'm like, enough. A part of me was thinking, like, how's this woman still alive? Like, damn, right? Anyway, what I did is what I learned in moments like that, I said, you know, I'm going to take back to reflect and just hear, Lord, I'm like, God, what are you saying? And I usually just go right into prayer for healing. I don't try to go deeper, you know, thinking there's some deeper revelation. But right away, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit speak. Unforgiveness. I don't get that often, but I got in this case. So now, you got to remember, you got to respect your elders and be kind. So I looked at her and I said, Mother, I'm like, hey, do you have unforgiveness that you're dealing with how dealt with in your heart? And immediately she began to tear up. And then, you know, when you, you know, you hit something, the adult daughters who came to like support her and pray behind her, they were like this, right? <laughs> Shaking their head like, yeah. And I was like, all right, go on to something, right? And so I never forget this moment. You know, remember when you're at the altar, just doing prayer time, I, I, I don't have, I don't have the time to be able to work through all that. But what I do know is the Bible says, if God reveals it, it's time now to release, forgive. So through that, we took the next couple of minutes and I'm like, listen, I'm not saying what those people situations happened. They were right. I'm not saying anything, but God is saying that right now you need to release and forgive those people. And of course she knew it was from God. Cause I know nothing about her. I'm just, I'm just preaching. Right. And so at that moment, she took the time to release and forgive those individuals. And then right away, I just said, okay, be healed in Jesus' name, and I went on to the next person, right? There was no, like, long call-down fire from heaven prayer. I'm like, be healed in Jesus' name, because I knew that was the root. What was amazing is the very next week, her, one of her daughters contacted me through Facebook Messenger and said, hey, Pastor Jason, do you remember when you preached and, you know, at this church? And da, da, da. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I remember, I remember. She said, my mother just came back because she was going to the hospital every week. She was having so many complications and treatments and checkup. She was in the hospital or the, you know, the literal hospital getting checked out every week, sometimes multiple times a week. They're like, we just came back from the doctor. We went on Monday and uh, we got the results back. They're saying basically 95% of all her disease and issues are gone. Amen. Amen. That's because pain will lead you to the source of the problem if you allow it. Number three, the level of pain doesn't always determine how severe your problem is. The level of pain, right, doesn't always determine how severe the problem. Now, I know maybe for some of us older folks, we get it, right? But for some of us younger people, right, you know, you ever meet with someone, they were like, they come to you crying, ah, it's so hard, what happened? This guy or girl I was talking to on Instagram just goes to me. And I'm like, mm. you know, we're like, you'll get over it. Don't worry. It's not that bad. Right. But for the for people who are teenagers, they're thinking it's the end of the world. You're like, ah, trust me, there's a lot more than that. Right. So the level of how, you know, drastic you think your pain is, does always determine the level of severity of your problem. Number four, this is so important. Ignoring pain or medicating pain leads to uh, deeper problems. I'm about to say different. I guess different sometimes too. 
ignoring the pain or just medicating it will lead to deeper problems. Now, I can give you some Bible stories about, you know, David's son and, you know, Ammon and Tamar and Absalom and the craziness because David never took care of the issue and, you know, how he never addressed the issue where one of his sons, this is Bible Old Testament, uh, raped his stepsister. He ignored it. Because of that, the brother, Absalom, went and killed his stepbrother, right? So ignoring your pain will lead to deeper problems. All right, I'll try to make it more simple. All right, you ever drive a car, right? You're driving a car and your check engine light comes on. If you ignore it, what could have cost you me a couple hundred bucks? It could have been a sensor or whatever it is. Now it could turn out to be a $2,000 job. You get it? Got it? Good. All right. But I want to give you now, how do we walk out a season, get out of pain, right? Number one. Simple, but it's true. Trust God. You're probably thinking, Jason, come on. Come on. No, it's not that. Yes, it is. It is that simple. It's hard when you're in the waiting room because you're anxious at times. But trust God. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways. Submit to him and he will make your path straight. Now, when you're trusting God, but you're complaining, that is not trusting God. Like, I don't like this God. Where are you? What's going on? How come this not moving faster? You know, you're just complaining. Do you know that complaining is like the kryptonite to God's answer and his provision? The reason why is because when you complain, you're basically telling God, I don't trust you and I don't believe what you said is true for me or my life. That's the, that's the root of it. So what I'll say is trust them. Believe that God is going to lead you out. Okay, number two, find the source of your pain. If you want to walk out a season of pain, find the source of your pain. What I mean by that? When you go through hard situations... Let's say it's emotional, spiritual, whatever it is. Sometimes those things come to you, not because it was of your choice. But sometimes it's what was done to you outside of your will. So you cannot always control what people did to you. Maybe you were young and maybe you were molested. That's hard. Maybe when you were younger, maybe you were abused physically or whatever it is. I understand. You cannot always control what that person or situation did, but you can always decide to control how I'm going to respond to it. So you got to learn how to respond. And try, I'm going to get there. Here we go. Ready? So just know that if you do not, there'll be times you experience pain, but if your season is, okay, this guy was 30 Eight years. That's not a season. That's a lifestyle. I understand we can go through seasons, if it's six months, a year, or maybe more, where you're going through something. I get it. I know. My wife and I, we experience it on different levels. We understand, but we make sure we don't allow that to get past that season because we want to make sure that we allow God to be 
our all. Number three. So how do you find your source of pain? Okay, find your source of pain. Number three, develop a culture of wholeness around you. Okay, if you want to walk out of pain, develop a culture of wholeness around you. What does that mean? It means you have to be really careful of who you're hanging with. Now, we're called to be the salt and light in the world. So I'm not saying to avoid every person who's not a believer. That's not what I'm saying. But you have to be careful of who is around you. Because you know that saying we have in America? I don't know if it's anywhere else. It says, now, I don't know if it's bird, a bird, a bird of a feather, a bird of the same feather flock together, right? Yeah, okay, right? What happens is, let's just say you're going through a place where you are hurt deeply by your spouse your husband and wife, and now you get around other people who will also hurt deeply by their husband or wife. And now you're getting the same thing like, man, all women, they're not good. They just want you for your money. They want to use you. Baby mama, baby drama, right, you know? Or you could be a female and be like, all men, they're just dogs. They're not faithful. They're not good. What happens is when you hang around that, you're going to attract that type of, of advice that's not going to develop a culture of wholeness around you, right? So you have to be careful. You want to be around people who are going to lift you up, who are going to speak life, who are going to say, hey, it's okay. Don't worry. Get back up. It's going to be better. If you have a place where you have a broken heart because of relationships or past failures, you want to get around people saying, I know what it's like. I was in your shoes. But guess what? I promise you, healing is coming. It's a process. It's a place where God wants to bring wholeness. <laughs> also, don't watch depressing movies, right? If you're sad and you're depressed and you feel all alone, right, be careful what you watch. That is so important. Even the songs you listen to, right? That, oh, my goodness. I remember as as a young man, I'm going to share this story. As a young man, um, I don't know about you, but for me, my experience of being born again, meaning God forgave me, changed me, it was an amazing experience, and I'm still living out that experience. What I mean is it wasn't just a one-time event. Salvation was I was saved, I'm in the process of being saved, and one day I'm going to see the fullness of of the glory of salvation in Christ. And that's for you too. But I remember when I first got saved, I, I, I was accustomed to kind of, when I say hearing the voice of God, it wasn't a voice, but it was like these impressions, these thoughts, where I would just hear the voice of God when I took time to pray. Let me tell you, that is called normal Christianity, where, number one, the first voice you should be hearing is always through the word of God, amen, Right? Right? There's other voices you can listen to, like if it's your pastors who are teaching and leading you, amen. But then also you're going to have the leading, the impression, and the voice of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't stop speaking. But I remember as a young man, I was so accustomed to kind of hearing his voice, getting his, it was amazing. God speaks to me a lot through like pictures and things of that nature. And I remember one week, nothing. I couldn't hear anything. Now, I had longer seasons. Thankfully, I grew from that, right? But as a young Christian, that was important. Oh, my God, where are you? What happened? What's going on? And I remember, I remember, and I forget this. 
It was a Friday night. I was like 21. Listen, when you're 21, you don't want to be home. But I remember I was 21. I'm like, God, I'm not going out. I want to hear your voice. Because I know that there was some type of separation. So I remember crying out in my bedroom at 21 years old. Like, God, I want to hear your voice. I'm just contending in prayer. Just contending, contending. And maybe like 25 minutes into my prayer, I finally hear him speak. He said, Jason, you say you want to hear my voice. And then he directed me to look at, he said, like, look that way in a certain part of my room. He says, you say you want to hear my voice, but look at all these other voices that are speaking to you. (sighs) Woo! He was pointing. Now, back in the day, most people would know, we didn't have, you know, podcasts and downloads and all that stuff. We used to have CDs, right, or tape cassettes. And I had a stack of CDs. Now, before I came to Christ, I was really into, like, you know, hip-hop and R&B, that, just the way I grew up. You know, I had some great albums from, like, Chop Call Quest and all this stuff, right? And he was like, you say you want to hear my voice, but you're allowing his voice to speak louder than mine. Let me, I'll never forget, God convicted me in a good way. He never told me to do anything, but I made the choice. I'm like, okay, you know what? You're right, God. I don't want those voices speaking to me. So I took all those CDs. I think I see Paris in the back. What's up, Paris, right? All right. Um, and I threw them into the trash. Because I said, God, now I don't know how much, maybe let's say a full album was like 20 bucks. I don't remember how much I paid, but it was a lot. And I threw them in the trash. I said, God, your voice is that much greater. So what I'm trying to say is this. If you have a broken heart, don't play sad, sappy songs when I see Lean Dion. All by myself, right? Do not do that, right? But if you have a place where you are severely hurt, you should hear songs. Like, there's a song I discovered maybe during our time in Indonesia by Charity Gale and that group she's with. It's called Psalm 23, which says, I am not alone. I love that. You can look it up. It's a great, great, great gospel song. Anyway. What I'm trying to say is do that. Develop a culture of wholeness around you. And then number four, meditate on the word of God. Come on. Do you know what you feed yourself with? doesn't matter if it's social media scroll uh, feeds. It doesn't matter if it's your local news station or whatever we have today. Right? Whatever you're feeding yourself with is what's going to impact what you want, what you believe, and what you see. So if you're always scrolling things about how the world is going to die and fall apart, you're literally going to be afraid and think the world is going to come apart any moment. Stay home. Lock your doors. Hide your kids. Right? (laughs) Where am I going with this? Here we go. Meditate on the word of God. In verse 6 of John chapter 5, Jesus proposes this question. He says to this man who's been an invalid for 38 years, couldn't walk, do you want to be made well? There we go. I said it right. Do you know that Jesus has been asking that question since that point in time to today? He's like, Do you want to be made well or do you still want to live in the the dysfunction I had never created for you to live in? 
Do you know everything that's a fact is not always true? It may be a fact right now. You are sick in your body and need healing because there is no cure for it. But the truth is, by his stripes, you are healed. It might be a fact you were done wrong through, let's say, an ex-spouse. I have met people who, who are just hurt and live with that hurt and don't know how to let go. I remember we're in Indonesia. We just we invited a lady over for dinner, and she began to share. Listen, she missed work because she became physically sick. She was actually a teacher at the local school, and she missed work. And so when we had her over for dinner, we're like, "Hey, what happened? And you missed work? What's going on? How you're doing?" And she's like, "You know, I just became really sick, and I just couldn't work." Well, what what was it? And she didn't really give us an answer. But come to find out later on, she said, well, 18 years ago, my husband just walked out on me. I had two young kids. She wasn't working. Listen, you understand, like in Indonesia, once again, there's no government help. There's no, and it's a shame culture, which means that when you do something, like something goes wrong in your family, you just feel this sense of huge shame. And that's how they get their way around when it comes to Indonesia. When they want to get their way, they use like that shame on you to make you do what the family wants you to do. It's just the way it works. It's different. And I'm like, 18 years later, you're still holding on? He was wrong. Yeah. Listen, if you are a guy, he left the family because times got hard. For us men, we are called to stick it out through the thick and thin through good times and bad times, no matter what, God does not ever want us to walk out on the family when things are hard. But this man walked out on her. And she had to learn how to struggle to raise up two young kids. It was like a one-year-old and a three-year-old all by herself with no help. But she said every year, get, get this, Every year, the thought of that hurt and pain will come back on her so strong that it will make her physically sick where she will vomit and kind of lay in bed. Let me tell you, that's no longer physical. That's spiritual. And so right there and then, in the middle of that dinner table, I'm like, I begin to speak what was the truth, not was the fact. It's a fact. She was done wrong. She was hurt. But I said, let me tell you, God redeemed you. She can live healed, fulfilled, blessed. The word blessed is makarios. Makarios just basically means you are happy, whole, fulfilled, content. It's not just about physical possession, but it's a, a state of being. It's not a word. It's a concept. It's, it's more than just a word. And she said, you know what, Jason? I never realized. And right there and then, my wife and I led her to a place of releasing that hurt and that pain over her life for 18 years. And guess what? Going forward, those pains that made her sick and the memories, no more. Because God is into the business of bringing healing. Amen? I have to wrap this up. Here we go. I got to wrap. I'm going to skip a few things here. (laughs) 
You know, one thing I see a trend in is I see people only come to Christ when they're in a crisis. <laughs> it's like when everything is good, you just go, ah, I'm straight, don't need it. I'll just do autopilot, go on living my life normally. And you don't understand that is costly. But then when you come to a crisis, something difficult, hard, then you're running back, oh, God. Do you know that God never call, called us to live a life of crisis? He has always called us to live a life as a son and daughter in the kingdom, as a disciple, where you are always in the same place of fellowship and relationship with him. Because you know what? At the end of the day, God is looking for that intimate relationship. And part of that intimacy and relationship with Christ is this. It's not just about, I think, it's not just about going to church, which is important. But it's about like, Lord, I want to know you. Do you know that prayer is part of that intimacy? For those of us who are married, right? I've been married to my wife now for 19 and a half years. Let's just say we never spoke except once a day on Sunday between the hours of 10 and 11.30. How good do you think my relationship would be with her? And so prayer is, allows you to re- reveal your soul, saying, God, I'm not capable How do you live a life that's not always in this place of crisis mode is you always have your heart set on Christ. Like, Lord, I'm here to worship. And worship is not just singing a song. That's part of it. But worship is your life. Do you know if you're a student, when you're studying your academics, Purdue, right? When you're studying your academics, you're doing what you want to do, that is your life of worship. Where you work, you're saying, Lord, All I am and all I'm doing, I'm going to give it to you. Because prayerlessness is costly. The Bible does say, like, you have not because you ask not. And see, many of us are like that man who by the poolside for 38 years. And we forgot that Jesus is right there next to us saying, what? Do you want to be made well? Do you want me to deliver you where you live a life that is salvation, right? A life that has that fullness of God, which you are forgiven, healed, protected, and delivered. How do we have intimacy? The power of giving thanks to God every day. Do you know, even when I go through something difficult, I can still give God thanks for the difficult situation. What I mean by that? I just say, God, I thank you that this is not what what should happen in my life, but it gives me an opportunity to grow. So, God, thank you for the opportunity to grow and to know you more. The power of thanksgiving is amazing. This is why we have that command, per se, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, where it says... In all things, in all situation, give thanks, for this is the will of God. Very rarely do you see that in the Bible. This is the will. Like God says, like, listen, 
This is like a command. Go do it. And you're going to notice how Thanksgiving, it may not always change a situation, but it's going to change your perspective. Be like, God, you got this. You're with me. And because we don't know how to cry out to God in constant relationship, we're like that man for 38 years. And now we begin to be, believe all these things. And I'm seeing, not just seeing, it's, it's a statistic. There's been an alarming rise of all these people having what they call mental health. I get it. I'm glad a part of that rise is because of people being aware. Amen. We're back in my day. It was like, you have a problem? Just shut up and keep it down, right? We're now people like, hey, it's okay not to be okay. Let's walk through this. I get it. But then now we don't realize that a lot of things that people are going through is more than just physical. It's spiritual. And so with that rise, I have seen people say things like, well, you don't understand, Jason, my situation. You know, I have, you know, this curse and and this generational curse and and all this and all that. And they begin to look towards their past and begin to blame different things. And I'm seeing this victim mentality that's happening within the church. Do you know if anyone was supposed to have a victim mentality, which it wasn't, should have been Christ. He was abandoned, rejected, despised, but yet he chose to say, here I am. And now we're allowing what the world is saying, you're a victim because of who you are or because of where you grew up or the color of your skin. No, I am not a victim. No, don't define me by who I am because of where I grew up or what I look like. But God wants you to be defined by who he is, where you are a born-again child of God, living and breathing, where he has redeemed you. And so, the rise is inner healing. They always want to say, hey, look deep within to find out not just what's wrong, but to have the power to bring healing. And we begin to have people focus on that. I want to let you know that there are many things We cannot bring deliverance in our lives. Only God can bring that healing. Only God can bring that point where you are made new. And so we hear things about like, well, you know, you don't say, Jason, it's it's a generational curse. I have heard that before. Now, for us who lived overseas, we know what curses can look like. I've seen them. It's okay. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't touch us. Amen. But in America... For most people, they think generation curse would be like, whoa, you know, my mom was depressed, my grandma was depressed, so now I'm depressed. <laughs> or, you know, my dad was a, uh, a, an abuser, uh, you know, to addictions of drugs and alcohol, so now I am. And so we just say, we make it so physical, not realizing it's also very spiritual. And if you believe, come on, and if you believe in generational curses... I want to tell you that you should believe that much greater in the generational blessings. Because you know that God said in Romans chapter 8 that now we, most of us are Gentiles, right? Who are Gentiles, now we've been transplanted from our family tree or our generational curse or the way we are bent. And now we are taken out and we are grafted into the family of God. So now we can receive and be a part of the generational blessing, which is found in Christ. 
So instead of confessing your past mistakes or the mistakes of your father or how hard it was for your family, start confessing who Christ is here and now. I love this verse in John 15, verse 3. Do you, oh my goodness. I'm wrapping this up, I promise. We forget what it's like not to have hope. I promise you, if you knew who I was back in the day, I remember one day when my wife and I were just, we were engaged, and I was just back in the place where I used to, you know, run around with, and I ran to one of my, let's say, old high school buddies. And then he heard my testimony. He's like, what? My wife was there. He started laughing. He thought I was joking. And I'm like, no. God called me. He delivered me from my anger and rage. He delivered I had a lot of anger and rage. He delivered me. I was always fighting. He delivered me from lust. From lust. Girlfriends. And he looked at me. He was like, no, I don't believe it. And then my wife was like, no, it's true. I seen it. God does change. And sometimes we put so much emphasis on the past. If you literally believe that you are who you are, you can't stop yourself, you cannot become born again, then you have allowed the lies of the enemy to speak so much louder than what God says. When we did, this, we, we did a crusade this past March, there was a young lady there, raised Hindu, and her parents literally dedicated her to the Hindu gods in a demonic ceremony of all the chants and all the prayers and all the blood, and they made her ingest a small trinket, like, like a little piece of jewelry. I can't explain it. When she came out to our outdoor crusade to hear the message where I preach Christ and Christ alone, I preach the simple messages because I want every man, woman, child to understand and to respond. And she said when she finally heard, oh, wow, it's not karma. It's not how many gods can I invite into my life, but it's only the one true God. And she says, I want to receive this Jesus and Jesus alone. When I made the altar call, come forward to receive Jesus, she said immediately she became severely sick, couldn't move, and slumped to the ground. It was a demonic force. And the people who invited her out to like this outdoor crusade was just attending her. So that night, she never had the moment or the opportunity to walk forward saying, Jesus, here's my life. But God knows. God sees you. Like that man, for 38 years, God is paying attention. He came right to him. That night, she has a dream. She goes to sleep. In this dream, she sees one of the Hindu gods named Durga. Durga is known as God the Destroyer. So Durga comes into her room in the dream. It's dreaming. Into her room, comes right next to her, and then places her hand on the lady's head in the dream. The lady becomes super sick, falls to the ground, 
on her hands and knees like a dog and is vomiting in the dream. She vomits out an animal claw and this Hindu goddess says, I release you. Then this goddess, because remember, they use a lot of pictures so she knows what it looked like, Durga, walks out of the dream, or walks out of the room, the dream ends. She wakes up in the middle of the night, like 3 a.m., pondering, what was this all about? I don't understand that. What's going on? Then she notices right next to her head was this little piece of jewelry and trinket that her parents made her ingest when she was a four-year-old kid. Now this lady is 28, 29 years old. The very next day, now talk about God bringing deliverance. The very next morning, so she goes six in the morning. She goes to her local Hindu temple to see one of her, uh, you could say, the spiritual priests or the elders who dress all in white. And she says, I want to tell you about my dream and begins to tell her dream. Let me tell you how good God is. (laughs) That lady who's an older elder within the temple said, oh, it's obvious. You have been released from the the religion and the gods of your family. Now you have the right to choose your own path. Yeah. And then she goes right to the people who invited her to that crusade and said, I'm ready. Her name changed from Krishna, which is a very Hindu God name. And now her name is Sarah. We baptize her. She's delivered and healed. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter what pain you're in. God is in the business of bringing healing to that place of pain. Whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, no matter what. And let me tell you, the enemy wants to keep you blinded. So you don't know or see, hear or see the truth. But God says, I am here to give you life and life more abundantly. Do you know when you came to the place of surrenderance and you received the gift of salvation through his Holy Spirit? That was more than enough to sustain everything you're going to go through. And everything you went through, he redeemed you. Take off those labels. Uh Uh-uh. I'm not going to put that label. I'm angry. I'm anxious. I'm whatever it is, right? I'm depressed. I'm sad. I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know what the word is, but let's say I'm addicted to pornography or sexual, whatever it is. Take those labels off. Say, "Mm -mm. I'm a child of God. I'll share one more story. Um, We had a young man, anyway, a family who came. And uh, same thing. Because we live primarily on a Hindu island, even though it's a Muslim country. We do ministry throughout islands. And there was a um, young man, 17 years old. His parents took him. Long story short, he was born... Deaf and mute. Couldn't, t- couldn't really hear, couldn't, couldn't speak. Let's just say, his parents brought him to us and saying, listen, we've been to all of our witch doctors and priests and all this, and no one can help him. He's been like that since he's been an infant. We're bringing him to you because we heard that Jesus can heal and deliver. 
let's just say that night, okay, when we pray for him the first time, I pray for the physical. I'm like, God, I pray for his ears and his mouth, just this muteness to be healed in Jesus' name. When I pray, I don't pray long. Nothing happened. And then I heard the voice, the small, still voice of the Holy Spirit speak to my spirit and said, generational curse. And I'm like, okay, God, it's not physical, it's spiritual. When, we, when I lay my hands on him again, I said, I come against his generational curse. And immediately, I mean, immediately, this 17-year-old boy falls flat to the floor, like stiff like a board. But God is bringing deliverance. And that night, just like Mark chapter 5, that young, oh, not Mark chapter 9, take that back. Mark chapter 9. That young boy was able to speak and hear that time in his life. Because God brought about deliverance from the demonic stronghold. Listen, I don't always see what happens in the spiritual realm. I don't need to see. I'm good. I know I can sense things and I know who I am. I know who God is. All I need is the word of God to tell me who I am. You should allow the word of God to tell you who you are and live and walk in that identity and authority. But we have some people who can see in the spiritual realm. They're like, did you see that? I'm like, nope. They said they saw a snake, like a big python snake, wrap spiritually, not physical. Spiritually saw a snake wrap around the kid's head and body. That's why he was so stiff. Because, see, the enemy wants to keep you blind from the truth and wants to keep you deaf from hearing the words of life. And I'll end with this. I keep saying that like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Jesus said this. You are clean. John 15, 3. You are clean because of the words I already spoken over you. When you came to Christ, he makes you whole. And now he wants you to renew your mind. And I'm going to end. That was a verse I should have shared earlier. But I want to end with this last verse. It's one of my favorite verses. I have many verses in the Bible. But it says, It is for freedom's sake that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ set us, you, free. And you cannot allow anything in your past or in your current situation to keep you bound by the enemy where you cannot see or hear the truth and now you think there's no hope. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus broke every chain and power of the enemy and nothing shall harm you. Now, I want to go to a time of prayer and ministry because sometimes we get a good message. You're like, oh, that's awesome but you want to respond. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I'm like that man in John 5 who for five years, three years, 38 years have been bound by this sickness or bound by this spiritual, or I believe the lies of the enemy that there's no hope for my healing or what I can do. And you feel like you're like that man thinking Jesus where are you? But I'm going to tell you, God 
is here because he wants to set us free. And he broke every lie. He broke every demonic stronghold. He still breaks every type of stronghold. Doesn't matter if it's physical or spiritual. And he's saying, do you want to be made well? And that's the question that God wants to pose today. Are you going to choose to live to the past and not release forgiveness and not allow the truth of who God is to make you whole and healed? Do you want to get well? And Jesus is standing here saying, yes, I am. I see you. I notice you and I hear you. And nothing. Luke chapter 10. Jesus says, I saw Satan fall down from heaven like lightning. And I have given you power over every, um, over every snake, scorpion, power of the enemy. And nothing will harm you. Do not rejoice that demons submit to your name. But rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. What he's saying is, no more Christianity. He has given us authority over every generational thing, demonic thing, over every depression, over all those things that are keeping us bound. And he's saying, today, do you want to get well? So two-part altar call for you to respond. You're not responding to me. You're responding to him. And you're like, Jason, oh my goodness. I didn't realize it has to be Christ and Christ alone. That's only him who can bring about the whole process and gift of salvation. And you're here this morning. You're like, I thought it was by my works. I thought it was by different means, being a good person. I thought that maybe I can get God's forgiveness by just doing it my own way. And God says the only way to salvation is through his son, Jesus Christ, where you will bow your knee and your head and say, Lord, here I am. Your sacrifice is what forgives me, makes me whole, delivers me, and transforms me. If you're here this morning, I'm asking, and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to raise your hand and we're going to pray with you. Raise your hand. Okay, so I guess most people in this room, or maybe all, are born again. I get it. Amen. The second part of this call is if you're here this morning, you're like, man, I've been bound for way too long, and I want to be set free. It is for freedom's sake that he has set us free. And you're like, I want to get set free from my physical pain, from my spiritual from my broken heart from depression from whatever it is that you are bound by I'm going to ask you to please stand Amen I love you Jesus isn't he amazing if you don't know you're going to know Amen I'll give like 30 seconds more Let me tell you, I've seen God do so much. But don't take my word for it. Come to him. Psalms 34. Come, taste, and see that the Lord is good. So for those of you who are standing, I need to take one more step of faith. I need you to come forward. Don't let pride get in the way. 
come forward so that we as a team can pray for you and see God do what he does best in Jesus' name. So I'm going to ask for the leaders and prayer team elders of the church to come forward to support us in prayer. Now, I may be, I may be wrong in sensing this, but I feel like the Lord is saying that there's a lot of people who are here for physical healing. If you're here for physical healing, can you just raise your hands if you need physical healing from a sickness, a disease, something physical? Okay. So it's not, all right. All right, amen. For the rest of us who are here, we're dealing with something about forgiveness, releasing. And I want to let you know that God's power is so much greater than anything else out there. Do you know Revelation 13? It says that they, in the church, overcame him by what? The blood of the lamb and the power of their testimony. Do you know your words are powerful? Your words of faith in Christ is what brings about the the avenue for God to work in. So what I'm going to do is, in a moment, I'm going to ask the elders and leaders and pastors to pray in a moment, but I want to lead you in a prayer when you say, Jesus, right? In a moment, repeat this prayer where I want you to realize Your fight is not against a person. Maybe it is a person that's being used, but it's not against a person or situation. But your fight is really against the spiritual realm, the principality that we read all about in Ephesians. So let's make this declaration together if you're standing here. Amen? So repeat this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you and I thank you there is victory. Today I choose to stand with you and to reject the lies from the enemy. Today I am a son and daughter of Christ. I am who you say I am. And I break every demonic stronghold. And I break every demonic lie. In the name of Jesus. Satan, you are my enemy. You are not my friend. And I stand against you in Jesus' name. And I will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. In Jesus' name I pray. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and fill me every closet of my life belongs to you I am a child of God and I choose today 
to live in that family forevermore. Amen. Now we're going to have people come out. We're going to, don't go. We're going to have people release and pray over you. And prayer team, do what you do. Leaders, do what you do. We're going to pray and believe that God's going to continue to bring the healing and breakthrough you need over your life. In Jesus' name.
who came to the front hold on to what was spoken over you hold on to what was spoken over you wow I don't know about you but there was some soul and spirit caring today wasn't there brother Jason and Angie thank you for speaking yes We need more of this in church, speaking transparently.